Welcome to F at the Time, I'm Martin Brown. On this episode, I speak to weather presenter and author Philip Petrie all about his favourite Halloween movie, Hocus Pocus. If you're watching on YouTube, please remember to leave a like below and subscribe for more content. Just before we get to Philip, please remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps out. Let's go. Philip. Hello. Welcome to F at the Time. Thank you. Weather presenter, author, and some people may know you are... Uh, Halloween enthusiast, horror movie enthusiast. Are you a nostalgic person? Yes. And when you said you were doing this podcast about nostalgia, it really excited me because it's something that I think about all the time. And I think nostalgia really makes us who we are because... I mean, it's the whole thing of a sm- like a certain smell can make you think of a time. A certain smell can make you think of a person. You can have really vivid memories of a certain time. And I, f- I feel like that's nostalgia because, for instance, I'm going to be talking about Hocus Pocus today. And the first time I saw Hocus Pocus, I can remember that. And nowadays a new era are watching Hocus Pocus. Some of them understand it, some of them get it, but a lot of the new generation don't get it. And that's nostalgia. The only reason that I like it is because of nostalgia, because I grew up watching it in the 90s. And it was um, fun at the time. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, Hocus Pocus, as I can see on the table in front of me, you're clearly a fan of Hocus Pocus. When did you first see it? I first saw it. It wasn't. I didn't get to go to the cinema and see it. Um, it came out in nineteen ninety three. I think I probably saw it in nineteen ninety five when I was five. And my auntie Jenny gave me a present. Now Auntie Jenny never used to give presents. She used to just give cards. So this was a special moment because Auntie Jenny actually gave me a present for once, and I can remember it. And I opened it, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, she's given me a present, not just a card for my birthday. What is this?" And it was the VHS of Hocus Pocus, and I remember the first. Well, I don't remember the first time I watched it because I literally watched it five times every day since then. That VHS tape is long gone because it got worn into the ground and I wish I kept it now because it would have been like a very nostalgic piece to have in my collection. Um, So I probably saw it about 1995 um, and I just loved it. I loved it so much. I I think we're pretty much the same age and my memories are, are pretty much exactly the same. I didn't get to see it in the cinema but I think my friend had it on VHS and we just watched it and watched it and watched it. It's, there's something about this movie that for its time, it's a Disney movie and yet it doesn't actually follow along with every kind of Disney movie that at the time that was coming out. What do you think is so special about it? Well, I was thinking about this earlier. I love Halloween full stop, but I don't think I liked Halloween until I saw Hocus Pocus. And I think that's what made me like Halloween. Obviously, I was just five. I had an understanding of Halloween, but I think Hocus Pocus 
literally is Halloween in a movie. It's got your typical everything, trick-or-treating. It's set on Halloween night. You've got the pumpkins outside the houses. You've got witches. You've got a zombie. You've got a black cat. There's candy. There's everything. And it. I think since then, it's made me love Halloween. And I think it's just the epitome of Halloween. I listened to another podcast earlier this month and it was with the it was an interview with the executive producer of Hocus Pocus and he said when he was pitching the idea to Disney he said Halloween is a multi-billion dollar industry and no one has made like a Halloween film that could um, benefit from that and I think he said that Disney, all they heard was multi-billion dollar. And they were like, yes, we'll make it, we'll do it. Um, and yeah, I think it just it just epitomizes Halloween. I think you're right. It has that feeling of of magic, of, of horror for little kids. Um, even the opening shot of the opening shot of that movie of it's just the silhouette of I believe it's Sarah Sanderson flying over the sea and you just see it over it going towards the town. It's it's brilliant. So you said trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up trick-or-treating or did you call it guising? Oh, I think I did call it guising, actually. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. Because that's a bugbearer of mine. Mm-hmm. It's it's We're Scottish, it's guising. Yes, no, you're right. Yes, I called it guising, that's right. How often do you watch it? Oof. I mean, when I was growing up, I literally probably watched it five times a day, whether it was Halloween or not. It was all year round, five times a day watching this. I knew the dance routine to (laughs) I Put a Spell on You off by heart. I would try and make my mum join in with me. I was like, I'd be like, you be be Mary, I'll be Winnie. Let's do this. (laughs) But then nowadays, I think I do save it to Halloween because I want to just enjoy it on Halloween. Um, but when it comes time to Halloween, I probably watch it three or four times. Talk us through the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Sanderson sisters. Mm-hmm. Which one, first of all, is your favourite? I think my favourite is probably Sarah Sanderson, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, purely because she's just so innocent and naive. I would argue that one. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not so innocent, but... Um, Certainly naive and just very playful. I think a lot of people, obviously, their favourite is Winnie, the main one played by Bette Midler. Um, and yeah, Mary, she, she's a great character as well, played by Kathy Najimy. Um, I think originally Mary was going to be played by Rosie O'Donnell, but then she didn't want to do it because she didn't want to upset the witch community, as in like real life witches, and like the pagan wow. and stuff like that. Like That's she, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. so she she turned it down, even though she was like a huge Bette Midler fan. We also have as the main protagonist, Max, mm-hmm. played by Omri Katz. Yes. Uh-huh. Did you know Omri Katz before? Because I feel like I did, because I feel like I watched Edie Indiana, yeah, Edie Indiana. before I seen Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. Um have you seen Edie Indiana, first of all? I have, yes. I rem- I don't remember much of the plot because I feel like in my mind it gets mixed up with Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? It was that kind of programme. Yes, I can't absolutely. really remember distinct episodes, but I just remember him 
being in it and being like, oh, that's the Hocus Pocus boy. Yeah. But I don't know what came first in my childhood. I think it was slightly before um, Goosebumps yeah. and things. So, but, yeah. yeah. Watch Edie Indiana if you haven't seen it. It's really good. Uh, so Omri Katz, his character, is... I think he's, first of all, tremendous hair. I know. <laughs> I would kill to have that hair. Um, but he plays the the teen angst, like sexually frustrated character so well, down to the point where he's got his lighter and he constantly uses the lighter to show off to the girl almost, look at me, I've got a lighter. It's um, I can light this on my leg. I can light this on my leg. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, it talks to teenage boys as well. I think you're probably right. Growing up, I probably had different stages of watching it. Obviously, as a five-year-old, I just thought, oh, this is funny. There's three witches running around and I want to do the dance routine, blah, blah, blah. But then when I watched it as a teenager, I was probably like, oh, virgin. <laughs> I, I think when I first seen it, I don't know that I knew what a virgin, no. virgin was. No, um, I didn't know. And the whole plot revolves around it. Yeah, the that, whole plot that's the revolves main catalyst of yeah a virgin lighting a flame. I know. Like I said earlier, it's not your typical 1993 Disney movie. Mm-mm. At the time, they were putting out things like Lion King and Aladdin. Although this movie is all about growing up and being a kid and Halloween and and going out and trick or treating or guising as we call it, there's definitely a sexual element that runs the whole way through this movie, yeah. which is surprising for a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? I think, well, Disney, I think, have embraced it because in the new Blu-ray release, there's a special, um, it's like a magical edition to watch along. And throughout the movie, um, it pops out and shows you deleted scenes and it has... Um, like famous quotes that it turns into a meme when you're watching the movie, like a muck, a muck, a muck. And there's a virgin count that counts up how many times the word virgin is used (laughs) throughout the film. And shucks if I can remember how many times it actually is used. But yeah, there's definitely, it's definitely not your typical Disney film of the time virgins used. There's, like you said, Sister Sarah is very sexual, wanting to play with the boys and all the time yes yeah. <laughs> hang him on a hook and let me play yeah. with him yeah <laughs> yeah so certainly disney films at the time i don't think we're dealing with that but then again they probably knew that children watching it wouldn't get it mm-hmm. and there would be a lot in it for adults and for parents you know they probably realized when they were making it oh we'll put this in for the parents or we'll put this in for the adults but do you think Or do you know in production whether or not it was always originally to be for young children or was it um, a more adult-orientated audience? It was originally apparently a lot darker and there was going to be scenes in it of the witches eating children. Um, That was originally in the script apparently and I think it was going to be a lot darker. There's a a huge um, storyline that's deleted from the film that was filmed where this the Sanderson sisters make candy crows um, and they give that to the children and that puts them under their spell and then they lure them to the house. 
but they've deleted the the candy storyline altogether and i think that was because at the time they were worried about copycat people using candy at halloween to drug children and stuff like that so um there's very little footage being released of that i think if you watch the original trailer you can see them handing out the candy crows in one scene and there's a scene where they go to the supermarket to get the ingredients to make these candy crows um so i think originally it was going to be a bit darker and a bit more adult but they toned it down what's your your favorite scene in the movie like i said i love the opening shot i think it's fantastic i know I, there's so much I wish I knew how they did it at the time for 1993 because that scene that you were talking about I don't I can't I don't know if that's just like a CGI of Sarah flying over because it's such a faint shadow across the water and across the town um I, there's so much I wish I knew how they did but yeah that's a beautiful opening scene and the music mm-hmm. I absolutely love the music to the point that one of the first yeah that's the, this over that's here. the soundtrack so this is the soundtrack it was properly released a few years ago um this is saying 2013 it was released but before this the soundtrack was not available at all there was 500 cds of the soundtrack made in 1993 and it was they were only promotional um so i think they were given out maybe at the premiere or special and I found one on eBay when I was like 15 years old and I forced my dad to sign up to PayPal so that I could get an eBay account so that I could buy this and I spent a fortune I spent all my savings on this one which I don't have it with me just now (laughs) (laughs) just for people listening in front of us on the table is just an array of Hocus Pocus merchandise. We've got Funko Pops, we have books, we've uh, DVDs, and my homemade, handmade spell book. Um, can you see that on the camera? That? Yeah. And we'll put some pictures up as well. Um, yeah, I just, I'm, I, again, I made this years ago. The, the bits on the front are from clay that you put in the oven and just freeze. I, got, I bought a pack of eyeballs from eBay again and just used one for the for the eye. So, yeah, no, I, I love my, my Hocus Pocus merchandise. And up until now, there was very little Hocus Pocus merchandise, but now it seems to be getting more and more stuff is coming out. So this is something that um, I've talked about with uh, before is specifically our age. We are the prime age for the nostalgia kick. So it's 30 years from when something originally happened, plus 30 years, the people that grew up with it now have expendable money. They want to have the things they ha- they wanted as a kid they didn't have or they lost, or maybe like it's things they already had, but they want them in packagings and things. And um, like you were just saying there, signing up to eBay, how often do you try and collect things? Quite a lot. I think I've probably got an eBay search saved for Hocus Pocus Rare. So anytime <laughs> anything Hocus Pocus Rare comes up, I'm like the first to know and I, I, I look online. Um, but yeah, you're right. I never really thought about that. I, like this past couple of years, I've been going on eBay and stuff, looking up like Mighty Max. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I spending £30 buying a Mighty Max toy? 
But I just want it because I had it when I was a kid and I don't know what's happened to it, but I just want it. And I don't know why. What am I going to do with it? Um, <laughs> it brings you back to a feeling, a younger age, and I don't know whether it's just the warmth of childhood, if hopefully everyone had a nice childhood, mm-hmm. um, or if it's an appreciation for things that you maybe didn't appreciate as much at the time, mm-hmm. but we're definitely living in it, and I think we are the prime age. No, definitely. I There's... I don't know. I like. I remember going to my auntie's house, um, and she had three boys, so my three cousins, and they always had the cool toys. They always had the cool board games, and their house was very eighties. It's like bungalow one level, but it had the long corridor with all the bedrooms coming off of it. The open plan. It felt like an American kind of Stranger Things mm-hmm. typical house. Absolutely, and. Whenever I think back to staying over there, I just get the feeling, like you just said, like the warmth, the like going into their board game room and it just being shelves and shelves of like Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and Atmosphere. Did you ever play Atmosphere? Oh, Atmosphere, the video board game. Fear with an F. Yes. yes atmosphere. <laughs> oh my gosh. The, no one remembers that oh, game. I remember Atmosphere. I, I, so I can tell a story about... <laughs> Watching back, first of all, recording wrestling pay-per-views uh-huh. off of um, off of Sky, and I think it was SummerSlam nineteen ninety three or four was sponsored by Atmosphere. No the, way! The video board game, really, really, and I still have those VHSs. So that advert yeah. is just burned into my brain. <laughs> yes, because the amount of times you watched it. And... I've I've never owned the game. Have you not? No, oh, I've never played so it. They've, they've re-released a DVD version and now there's a brand new version where it's an app rather than wow. a VHS. But yeah, yeah. The, do you know the premise of it? No. It's basically um, every player needs to write down their worst fear on a bit of paper and then they throw it down this well in the middle of the board game and the well is sealed. And you basically need to go around the board and collect all the different coloured keys. I think there was six different coloured keys And then whoever gets the six keys and makes it to the well first can open it and read a nightmare. If it was your nightmare, you lost. But if it was someone else's nightmare, you won. But all the time you were playing a VHS in the background and it had the gatekeeper. And it would always come up at the very start. It would say, turn off the lights, turn up the volume, let's play. And then there would be a one hour countdown. But every now and again throughout the game, the gatekeeper would pop up with like this loud, (laughs) thunderous boom. And he'd be like, stop playing. The oldest player must roll the dice. And then like the oldest player would roll the dice. And then he would give you a challenge and then he would vanish. And then you just kept playing. And then every now and again, he would just pop up. It was so creepy, but so good. This sounds amazing. And I think we should actually give it a go. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I am keen. I'm down for that. Good. Um, Which again... Brings it back to horror. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's Hocus Pocus that inspired your love of horror? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I mean, there is obviously the famous horror film called Halloween, which again epitomizes Halloween. You've got everything in it. You've got it's set on Halloween night. You've got the trick or treaters, geysers if you want. <laughs> You've got the pumpkin carving, making popcorn. Oh, but there's also a serial killer. So I think, in a way, Hocus Pocus is the PG version of Halloween without the serial killer, unless you want to call the witches the serial killer. I mean, they're definitely killing (laughs) children. that's true, that's true. (laughs) I would never have wanted to watch the movie Halloween 
if I didn't love Halloween. And I think that was probably one of the first proper horror films I watched. And then that led on to Scream and then that led on to Nightmare on Elm Street and all these other horror films that I ended up watching. So, yeah, I think... Which I think is quite... um, It's quite interesting. So if people see you on TV, (laughs) you are... The friendly weatherman. Yes, bringing hopefully. Pe- oh, bringing, people, um, bringing people the weather in your amazing suits. The, mo- the most well-dressed man that I know. Thank you. Um, and then people that know you also know that you just throw amazing Halloween parties. <gasps> oh, I know. I've wanted to throw in the past couple of years, but obviously we can't right now. Um, you weren't at my Halloween party, were you? Like, I don't think I was invited. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm just saying that right now. Uh-oh. Next time. Awkward. <laughs> um, yeah, we had a housewarming, but it was also a Halloween party. Um, and it was just, it was it was so good. Everyone put me in so much effort. And I wanted, I wanted to make it like a really kind of childhood Halloween party. So everyone got given goodie bags as they left the house with like sweets and treats and um, scratch cards. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, no, well, next year. Next year you're invited, Maureen. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, speaking of, of Halloween parties, there's a Halloween party in Hocus Pocus, mm-hmm. which is another scene that I love. What are your thoughts on it? I think the film was directed by a man called Kenny Ortega, who at the time, I don't, I think he directed maybe one or two films, but he was most well known as a choreographer. And he choreographed a lot of um, Michael Jackson music videos. I think he choreographed Thriller. Um, He was a backup dancer himself for like big song and dance people. So I think I've got the original script and the music number is not in the original script. So I think... That was probably his influence. I think he was like, right, come on, we've got Bette Midler. I'm a dancer and a choreographer. We need to have a song and dance number in this. And that, you asked earlier what my favourite scene is, that has to be, that was what came to my mind when you asked that. So it has to be the the whole Halloween party in the, the town hall. I put a spell on you song and dance number. It has to be that. There's something that struck me. I watched the movie again recently. Something that struck me about that scene specifically is because it was set in 1993. If you fast forward to 2021, that scene's going to be entirely different because it's produced by Disney. The whole scene would be what other characters from different franchises are people dressed up as. And it's like, oh, did you see this person? Did you see that? It's like little Easter eggs. I really appreciate that in that scene, it's just classic horror like people dressed up as as like knights and witches and monsters mummies and mummies and it's not it's not spot every reference yeah um like the new space jam film i don't know if you've seen that yeah yeah exactly (laughs) it's it's it takes things like that take away from movie where this it's its own movie in its own right and it doesn't need to rely on other franchises exactly exactly you're right and that's probably that's probably also what makes it just a classic, timeless film. You know, I call Hocus Pocus the It's a Wonderful Life of Halloween because It's a Wonderful Life is so timeless. Yes, okay, it's black and white. 
Yes, okay. Unless everyone... you've seen the atrocious color oh, version. I know, I know, <laughs> where everything is green for some mm. reason. But um, you, I think you you can you could watch It's a Wonderful Life in fifty years' time, and it's got the same message. It'll give you the same feels, and it's the same as Hocus Pocus. It's so timeless. There, I, I can't think that I don't think there's no mention of phones or anything in it. You know, it could it could have been made any time. And there is a sequel being made. Well, oh, I think we'll get to that. Oh, I know, I know, and I'm just dreading that they use texts to bring down the witches or something. I'm dreading that that's going to be the plot, but we'll get to that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> there is also another party happening at the same time, which is in Alison's house. Ah, yes. So in her house, her parents are throwing a party, mm-hmm. which. Again, going back to the sexual undercurrent, can only be described as an eyes wide shut type mm-hmm. Halloween party. Mm-hmm. First of all, Vanessa Shaw is actually in Eyes Wide Shut, so that's a. Is she? She is, so ah. there's a um, little connection there. But what's that party all about? I know, I know. I think a lot of keys were thrown in a bowl in that party. I think um, they're all wearing masks and she's upstairs in her bedroom just waiting for her ro- Her own job is just to hand out candy. Don't come in the main room. But yeah, no, there's, I never, you're, yeah, you're finding things I've not thought about, but yeah. It might just right. be my, my <laughs> twisted mind, but no. Yeah, um, the the masquerade party. The masquerade yeah. party. Mm-hmm. That's that's a dark party. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, because <laughs> none of those people are at the the town hall party. No, they're not, and they never noticed that their daughter was missing all night. Either. That's because they're busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other stuff in their mind. Yeah. <laughs> Before they go into that house, Max and his sister talk about rich people, and they look up at the house. Have you seen their house? <laughs> I know. I know. It's first of all, he is uh, a grumpy teenager, so I get it. He's filled with teen angst, and he's been moved away um, from LA, from Hollywood, and he wants to go home. But I'd kill to have that house. I know, I know. I don't know if I don't think it's mentioned in the film what his parents do, but they've moved here because of his dad's work. But what the heck did his parents do for a living? He's got. A staircase in his bedroom. <laughs> Leading to a turret, basically. <laughs> yeah, his own turret. His own turret. Yeah. What's he got to complain about? I know. He's got a drum set in his bedroom. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> He's got the be- the best bedroom in the, the whole house. Yeah. I firmly believe that that turret is only there to get exploded later on <laughs> in the movie. Um... <laughs> yeah, that iconic scene. It is, it is, that house is still there, I think. I wouldn't want to be the owners of that house because I think people just stand outside and take photos outside the house really? all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So was it filmed on location? Yeah, it was completely filmed in Salem and then in Disney Studios. So they built the witch's house in a studio, the whole set with the grounds and the trees and the forest. That was in like a Disney studio. Um, But the house, the town hall, the school... Allison's house, the graveyard where he bumps into Ice and Ernie. That was all in Salem, I believe. Yeah. I would love to go. I know. First of all, I know. Um, have you ever been? I've not. No, no, I've not been. But I wish, I wish I could go. What are those two doing, hanging out in a graveyard? Well, they clearly didn't go to school. I don't think he was cycling home, but they were already in. They the... were already out. Yeah. yeah. Skiving. Yeah, skiving. <laughs> <laughs> not guising, skiving. <laughs> My favourite scene from the movie 
is when the Sanderson sisters have just been brought back. Um, in fact, even that that whole scene being inside the house and again, it's obviously it's a Disney it's a Disney movie, but it feels almost like a Disney ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if there is, if there is a, a, Dis- a Hocus Pocus ride or, or theme anywhere in Disney. But they should be. I know. Imagine with the floor, the floor, the, and the floorboards, light. and the green lights. I know it's perfect. There's not a ride, but they've just recently started doing. Um, I think it's called the Villain Spooktacular, and it's basically the Sanderson sisters come out on stage in front of the castle, and they want to throw the best Halloween party ever. So they invite Cruella. They invite Maleficent, the evil queen, everyone. They sing and they dance. I put a spell on you. And then they go back in the castle and there's big fireworks. You can watch it on YouTube. It's like 30 minutes long, but it's great. And the 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 women they've got to play, the Sanderson sisters, are so like them. They're so, so good at it. So, One thing I noted was when he lights the, the, um, the sprinklers mm-hmm. and he says it's the... Burning rain of death. The burning rain of death. <laughs> if nobody has had a punk band called Burning Rain of Death, oh, they're missing a trick. There needs to be one. Great punk band name right burning there. Burning Rain of Death. Yeah. Oh, I want to look up if there is a, a band called that now. Yeah. And if not, you need to start it. I know exactly. <laughs> the Burning Rain of Death. <gasps> That's brilliant. It's one of maybe the last Disney live action theatrical movies that isn't a remake or taking a previous property and changing it again and putting real people as the characters Mm -hmm. and I think that kind of something that makes it a bit special. Yes I think well originally it was written and it was going to be a Disney Channel movie it was going to be just purely made for TV but then I think once they realized that it was a multi-million dollar industry Halloween they were like no let's put this out to actual cinemas let's put a lot of effort into it um but yeah before Hocus Pocus I can't really think of actual cinematic Disney films live action other than Mary Poppins I mean there was there's from like the 50s and 60s there's, there's some but I think from the 90s on no it's tough to think of it and then I think in recent years, live action, we've had Pirates of the Caribbean, but that was based on a ride. Jungle Cruise, based on a ride. And then, like you said, Maleficent, but that was based on a cartoon already and Cruella and all these new ones that are coming out. Yeah. The only one that I think of, which I believe started as a Disney Channel movie, which has ties to Hocus Pocus, is High School Musical. Because it's not the same director. Yes, Kenny Ortega, yeah. Song and Dance again, yeah. And the, yeah, I think, was that a cinematic? Oh no, it was, yeah, a Disney, it was Channel. Disney Channel. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. the sequels, I think, yeah. were cinematically released because of the their success, career. yeah. I was genuinely shocked when I found out that it was basically a bomb mm-hmm. and it got terrible reviews. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I mean, we might be looking at it through nostalgia goggles, um, rose-tinted glasses, as it's called. But watching it and watching it again, it's a fun movie. Why do you think it got such a bad review? 
It was released in July, apparently. I think it was released on like July 25th. Why? I don't know. And it came out... I'm probably getting this wrong, but I think it came out the exact same day that Jurassic Park came out. So I think anything against Jurassic Park would have been a failure. Um, also releasing it in the middle of summer. That's crazy. Yeah, a big, big, big mistake. I don't understand the negative reviews because like you, I don't really find anything wrong with it. But then again, I might just be very biased. But I've tried to watch it before with like a reviewing mind on. And really, I can't really fault anything. It's just... Yeah. It's even down to the hallowed ground scene at the end. I mean, I didn't even pick up on this that um, Winnie turns to stone before because she's on the hallowed ground. Yeah. A lot of people are like, why does she turn into a statue and Mary and Sarah just turn into dust first? But yeah, it's because she's touched the hallowed ground first. She it's, turns to stone and then, yeah. It's, it's very well <laughs> it's thought. It's so thought, yeah, it's so well thought out, yeah. <laughs> so there is a sequel being announced. Yes. Are you excited for it? Do you have fears? For Is the cast coming back? I am hugely excited for this. Throughout the years, there's been so many false claims of Hocus Pocus 2, Rise of the Elder Witch, Hocus Pocus 2, The Witch is Back. There's been all these, like, oh, Tina Fey's currently writing a Hocus Pocus 2. Oh, Melissa McCarthy's set to appear in a Hocus Pocus 2. There's been so many rumours through the years. But now with Disney+, Plus, there was a huge, um, like, Disney Plus showdown last December, I think, where they, like, they had Kevin Feige on talking about all the Marvel films and stuff. And then they had this very prim and proper Disney man come out and he said, and finally, we are releasing, we are happy to announce that we will be making a Hocus Pocus 2. And that's all he said. He didn't re- he didn't reveal anything else. There was a logo came up for it um, that looked similar to the, the old logo, but he didn't say anything else. But since then, there's been drips and drabs. So yes, the three actresses are coming back, Bette Midler, Kathleen Jimmy, Sarah Jessica Parker. They will be playing the Sanderson sisters. Um, they... I watched an interview with Bette Midler which really calmed my nerves about the second one where she said a lot well first of all she's she's constantly said in all of her interviews that this is her most favorite film that she's ever done of her own she says it's her best work and it's her most favorite character that she's ever played and she really embraces it but she acknowledges that a lot of what made the first film wasn't just the story it wasn't just the actresses but it was the set designers it was the production crew the makeup artists the costume designers I mean I just love the sets in the first one the fact that they built that whole graveyard the hallowed ground they built the whole witch's house inside a studio from scratch I just love the detail that's been put into everything and that's obviously the set designers, the production designers, the artists, you know, that's all them. So Bette Midler said in multiple interviews she would not come back for a sequel unless they brought back a lot of the original crew. And they've, they're have they apparently doing that. The original makeup artists are coming back. The original set designers are coming back. The original producers are coming back. Um, John Debney, the man who wrote the soundtrack, he's coming back to do the sequel, which I love because that soundtrack is just 
phenomenal to the first film. Originally, um, they had asked James Horner to do the soundtrack to the first one, who is the guy that did the Titanic soundtrack. Um, and he had started working on a soundtrack for the first film, but then left it to go and work on another bigger movie. But the director had said, please, can you just write one track for the soundtrack? Please just give me something that says James Horner on it. So James Horner wrote Come Little Children for Sarah Jessica Parker, and that was his contribution to the soundtrack. The rest of it was John Debney, and he's coming back for the sequel. Um, so yeah, I just hope that they they do it justice. And like I said, I just hope that there's no like, oh, we're going to use an iPad to delete the witches or we're going to, I just, you know, they need to make it timeless again. They need to make it classic. I've heard a lot about the plot. I don't know if it's just rumours, but let's see. See, I would try and avoid that. Oh, no. I would try and stay away from spoilers as much as possible. I know, <laughs> I know. I Another favourite, favourite film of mine is Silent Hill. Um, I love the Silent Hill movie. And again, that's probably because of nostalgia. I didn't have a PlayStation when I was growing up, but my best friend did. And one of the only games he had on the PlayStation was Silent Hill. But because I didn't have a PlayStation, I didn't know how to play it. So I would just go around to his house and I would sit and watch him play Silent Hill. So I was basically just watching you were ahead of the game. I think that's now called yes, Twitch. Exactly. Yes. That's that's what I do now. I sit and I watch people playing like the new Resident Evil on YouTube and that's it. Um, so I just sat in his bedroom watching him play Silent Hill. So it was like I was watching a movie anyway. So when the film came out, it just brought back a whole heap of nostalgia for me just because it deviates from the game a lot, but it has the the main story and it captured a lot of what I loved about the original game and the atmosphere in that film is brilliant the constant ash falling the, the fog world and it just looks beautiful so that came out in 2006 and then when they announced that there was a sequel coming out I I looked into everything I wanted to know the plot I, I followed like behind the scenes pictures of the making of it and I was so and I was like anticipating it so much and I went, I had booked myself in to see the film twice on opening day, once in the morning, once at night. That's really sad. But Absolutely not. I've done it before. I had booked it. So I was there early doors, the cinema to watch it. And I didn't go back for the second viewing at night because I absolutely hated the sequel. Oh, no. It let me down so much. It was just awful. And it is, it is a truly awful sequel. So I'm just hoping that I'm not getting my hopes up too high for Hocus Pocus 2. It's a difficult thing, a sequel, especially after all of this time and the fact that people do have such strong nostalgic feelings towards... A lot um, of pressure, yeah. So much pressure. What you've just told me about bringing back the set designers, that gives me faith. I really hope it's not just all CGI. Um, physical props, please. Please. What I've... Because I, I've, again, I've gone very manic with trying to track down as much info about the making of the sequel they've started filming as far as i'm aware the, the sequel in rhode island and what they've done is they've built a 1600s puritan village um outside on location on a farm um but 
at the moment the farm isn't closed it's still open to the public so there's been heaps of pictures <laughs> taken of the set so far um and according to early leaks of the plot this is going to be the setting of the opening scene and you're going to see the young sanderson sisters growing up with mother sanderson so i was gonna say <laughs> i was gonna bring that up because they absolutely allude to mother sanderson and you they never pay it off yeah i know i know it's, it's been 30 years who is mother sanderson i think in the in the original script that I've got, it gives the fir- the front page gives you. It says Winnie, Sarah, and Mary, and it gives you a little description of each sister. So they all had the same mother, but they had different fathers. And um, Winnie's father was a warlock, so that's what makes her like a really powerful witch. Sarah's father was the town idiot, and Mary's father was a bloodhound. <laughs> which we're not going to go into, but obviously Mother Sanderson was a bit frivolous. And... So we thought the first Hocus Pocus had a sexual undertone to it. This one... Oh, I know. I know exactly. So I think um, what I've also read, which I don't know how I feel about, is the casting of Mother Sanderson. They've apparently been looking towards Cher... Um, and I think the, the, the outline for Mother Sanderson is it needs to be an iconic older singer. So I think in Hocus Pocus 2, we're going to have a song and dance number again, probably. But this time from Mother Sanderson, it might be Cher. But I just hope it won't be like Mamma Mia 2. I don't know if you've seen that, Mark. I have seen Mamma Mia 2. Where the whole of Mamma Mia 2, they were alluding to Grandma. Mm-hmm. Grandma's mentioned like 500 times, but you don't see Grandma but then in the very end, the helicopter arrives and Grandma gets off and it's Cher. And I hope to goodness Hocus Pocus 2 isn't talking about Mother Sanderson the whole time. And then at the very end, a broomstick comes down and Cher steps off the broomstick. I hope they don't do that, but um, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, do you believe <laughs> it will be better than that? I believe it will be better than yeah. that. <laughs> there is actually a, a few years ago, they wrote a book Hocus Pocus and the all-new sequel and it's the the first part of the book is like a novelization of the first film and then the second part of the book is a made-up sequel to what would have happened and um, it's Max and Allison are married they've got a 17 year old daughter called Poppy who finds the spell book in her attic opens the spell book and somehow she casts a spell that brings back the witches but in their place they've had to sacrifice lives to bring the witches back so max allison and her auntie danny are put away to the dark side or wherever it is that the witches have come from so they've done a switch basically and that's how they bring the witches back i don't know if that's going to be the plot of the sequel or not um, and then the whole rest of the the sequel book is Poppy trying to get her parents and her aunt Danny back and put the witches back. Um, but in the sequel, Mother Sanderson is in it and she comes to help the the her daughters. So it could be it could be that that's the the, that's interesting. the plot. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if they'll even take any elements from that. I know. I don't know. I don't know. Philip, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Instagram at Weekend Weatherman. They can find me on Twitter, Philip Petri TV. 
Um, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And I will put a link to all of that as well. Um, thank you very much for coming on F at the time. No, no, thank you. I've enjoyed this. It's been a pleasure. Good. Thanks, Philip. <laughs> Once again, I want to say thank you to Philip for taking the time to speak to me. If you want to support Philip, you can check out his book, The Walls of Wintermoor. You can order that online and it's a great read. I highly recommend it. Just before I go, don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe. Until next time, catch you later. Peace out.